Will Jerry Halliwell's comeback be piss poor or appalling? That's who he is. That's who he is. Am I bound to die before I find my true calling? That's who he is. That's who he is. Good afternoon and welcome to Moneybox on Radio 4. (laughs) Uh, Just uh, priming you listeners for the fact that uh, somebody has seen fit to ask us, uh, people who make a podcast for free. uh, (laughs) About business models. (laughs) Advice about how to raise funds. It's it's a question from Orla who says, my friend and I have a really good business plan that we know will work. Mm -hmm. Confidence is important, isn't it, it, in uh, business pitches? And chutzpah. The problem is we have no money. We're 14, so we're too young to get a loan from the bank. Oh. And we can't wait till we're old enough because we're both depending on it to pay for university. See, now that's too confident. This is very impressive, though, that she's thinking going to university is becoming very expensive. In yeah. four years' time, when I'm old enough, it's going to be unattainable. How can I yes. be the master of my own destiny? I'm impressed. Yeah, yeah, it's impressive. I'm in! It's, <laughs> it's impressive to have a strategy, but it's probably not a sound idea for that strategy to be that this business that albeit you have to have front about mm. is so crucial that unless it takes yeah. off you can't afford to go I'm trying to remember if I had a single good idea when I was 14 yeah probably not I had an idea for a, a merchandise company to be based in the foyer of a cinema mm-hmm. so that um, when kids my age went to go and see I'm trying to think what was the big films then things like The Lion Just King and Aladdin I guess yeah there'd be the merch there my concept was why don't I go to UCI cinemas in Hatfield yeah. and say look I can have a Jurassic Park store in the foyer yeah. And we will sell shitloads of dinosaurs to idiot kids. Yeah. Which is actually not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. But I guess the problem is when it comes to award season, no one wants a furry Meryl Streep, do they? <laughs> <laughs> what do well, they sell the rest I of do. the year? <laughs> I want nothing more. Uh, well, Orla says, my friend and I are both straight A students who go to one of the top schools in Northern Ireland. Yeah, okay, you're not actually on Dragon's Den now. You don't need to boast. You know, we can deal with this question without all of your credentials. Well... Ollie Tell us your story, Ola. Tell us how you got here. Yeah, we've got time to fill. We want to keep Evan Davis waiting downstairs till he's frustrated. You know, no, Evan Davis isn't downstairs. That whole thing is an illusion. Doesn't surprise me. Is it even on the same day of shooting? No, he has never met Hilary Devey. Wow! I, I She's read not that. even on it anymore, She's not she? on it anymore, so he can say with confidence he will probably never meet Hilary Devey. How weird is that? That is pretty weird. Yeah, because they, they both go to the soundstage, because that is what it is, in yes. Salford on different in days. In Salford? Yes. Of course, but He's got the Today wow. programme to present. He hasn't got time to be hanging around talking to losers. For this reason, since he started presenting the Today programme, he doesn't do those bits anymore. He just oh. stands around and talks to himself, if you watch, and the losers talk directly to camera. Oh, yeah. So TV it's all a completely different thing. Well, anyway, all anyway, this, all this question, yes. all question is not, uh, what are the mechanics of shooting <laughs> the uh, dragons then? Uh-huh. She says, Ollie, answer me this. How do we get enough money to start her business? Yeah. Without robbing a bank. Yeah, don't rob a bank. No. Um, How, legally. Let's think of legal plans for her. She sounds very confident. She goes to one of the top schools in Northern Ireland. There are probably mm. some rich parents there. You need to find an investor. Or actually just do a fundraiser. Because although mm. you think of yourself as a bit of a sort of mini adult yes. at that age, um, actually most of the parents in the school will still think of you as somewhat adorable. If you yes. go around rattling a tin, effectively, you know, busking, whatever, uh, you could raise some cash that way. You can raise like £100, but she needs Top school in Northern thousands. Ireland, you could probably raise a grand if you're really committed about yeah, it. Yeah, but it's not enough. It's not enough for two people to go to university, is it? No, 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 but this is just money to start her business. We don't oh, know how yes. much she needs. Yes, actually, that is true. Um, and I, I suppose, alternatively, if you want to do this in a purely capitalistic way mm. rather than begging... Um, <laughs> 
perhaps an idea would be to set up a, a business you can afford to establish so perhaps something that runs off a blog or reselling ebay goods or something like that so that involves virtually no startup capital yeah do, do the alan sugar route in other words you know get 100 quid together 50 quid yeah and then start a very very cheap business that then you can scale up so that it then becomes the feeder business to fund your main project in the future i don't know whether she's going to have the long view I think she wants a, a quick fix to start the business while she's still fired up about it. It's good that she has an entrepreneurial spirit. I suppose we can all agree that in, in our, our system of uh, economic uh, achievement, that yes. makes sense. Yes. However, However, she is 14. She's supposed to be in full-time education. Indeed. The reason you can't get a loan when you're under 18 is because you're supposed to be in full-time education. Yeah. It's not anything personal that um, an actuary would look at your file and say, well, she's 14, so she's quite likely to balls this up. It's just mm. statistically probable. Here's an idea, though. Generally, the jobs that are available to you when you're 14 are fairly low yield. Paper round, babysitting. But what you could do, and utilise the contacts available at your posh school, Orla... Uh, is um, there are a lot of people around who still don't know how to operate computers. I'm talking about people in their 70s or more. A friend of mine used to make 25 quid an hour just helping old ladies type Word documents and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you need to tap the the grandmothers, say, of some of your school chums. That's a great idea. And people aren't threatened by 14-year-old girls generally. No. And yet it's it's things that are just unbelievably simple to you, but you won't won't remember a time before computers, Orla. But there are a lot of people who are are not good at that. And they're ashamed. They're ashamed. It's also cash in hand, that, isn't it? Yes. Hello, it's Heidi. I'm Simon. From Peterborough. Helen and Holly, answer me this. We were just on a trip to London and we went to the British Museum and we were wondering, who owns the British Museum and therefore all the stuff in it and are they really, really rich? Well, Heidi and Simon, the British Museum belongs to both of you and the nation. And definitely not the nations that uh, involuntarily bequeathed the things that are inside it. You're never getting those back, Greece. (laughs) Greece is a really generous country. It was founded by Sir Hans Sloan, he of Sloan Square. Oh, wow. And he also apparently invented the practice of making hot chocolate with milk rather than water. Good God, he oh. contributed a lot, didn't he? he really in his did. however many decades well, on the earth. 93 years old, oh, he died. Yeah, I could have guessed he, he got a lot done, didn't he, in that yeah. time? Theft, <laughs> yuppies and hot chocolate with oh. his gravestone. <laughs> During his life, as a physician and naturalist and extensive traveller, he collected more than 71,000 objects which he wanted to be preserved after his death. It would be very selfish of him to insist they all got burned after his death. <laughs> yeah, or just uh, smashed up and then ground to powder. We have no need for these anymore. Destroy them all. Uh, so he bequeathed the whole collection to George II uh, for the nation. And uh, all he wanted was £20,000 for his heirs, which was actually a huge amount of money at the time. Yeah, that is a huge amount uh, of money. Which was uh, 1753. That was the time. But it was a good bet, though, that wasn't it, that those belongings would probably be worth more in the future. So it was an investment. Yeah, or just the fact that you have this collection, because on their own, the belongings might not mean much. Like, uh, say, one collectible Simpsons figurine (laughs) doesn't mean much, but if you had hundreds. Yes. So the British Museum has always been belonging to the nation, and it opens to the public uh, on the 15th of January, 1759. Wow, I didn't know it was that old. No, nor did I. I think the atrium is newer. Yeah. (laughs) The the glass roof. Yeah. But they've barely updated some of the lavatories. (laughs) Shut up and answer me this, come on then Why don't you shut your ugly face? I'm not ugly, it's the condition It's no condition, it's the ugliness, mate Answer me this, podcast at googlemail.com Answer me this, podcast at googlemail.com Answer me this, podcast at googlemail.com Nothing, seriously though, go back to your own country That's what we're all thinking, isn't it? It's what we're all thinking, it's got a question I ain't got no question 
questions. Don't look at me. Shut your mouth. Uh, here's an email from Dave in Leeds who says, I am a married man with two young daughters. How nice for you. Yeah, so Dave's just making it very clear there to any interested parties. He is taken. He's in a, He's very hempecked. <laughs> he's off the house, house with three women. The, yeah. uh, my wife's godmother, says Dave, is an artist. And she's painted portraits of my wife's nieces, which are displayed in their respective homes. Now my daughters are six and three years old, it's expected that she will paint their portrait as well. My dilemma is that I think that children's portraits in houses are naff and a bit crap. Sometimes both, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I've ever seen a nice one. There are lots of ones by old masters in rich people's houses, but that's a bit different, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is, yeah, of course. If, if you're living at a time where painting was the predominant art form, it's a slightly different quality, isn't it? Actually, yeah. those look really creepy. Often children look like waxen dolls, don't they? Yeah, in, in Blenheim Palace, there are lots of pictures of way-faced children wearing tiny versions of adult clothes, mm. looking really serious with each other, but they've been posed together like the married couples are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Odd. there's a dog as well that it's looks usually like a greyhound, yeah. and they've got their hand on the head oh, of the greyhound. King Charles Spaniel. Yeah. yeah, or a lion. Well, Dave continues, I know what my my children look like glad to hear it yes. um, so I don't really need to be reminded that was Alison Zaltzman's thesis as well because she doesn't and uh, never did have photos of us around the house she said well I know what you look like dear yeah I just don't buy that I mean, and we're ugly the point is well whatever her motive Helen the point is that people change and you want to remember how they looked three years ago Mm. The only reason for not doing that is that, in fact, you don't want to remember how they looked three years ago. Quite right. My dad um, actually did a, a, a plaster bust of my brother when he was about five, but he made him look like he thought he would look as an adult. The painting, says Dave, will be copied from a photo anyway, so it could be argued that the painting will be a rubbish version of a photo. Or a great version of a photo. I see his point, though. You, you could argue that now we've got the widespread availability of photo canvases, it yeah. sort of removed the need for portraits based on photos. And also you can do that uh, Photoshop effects on your yes. photos where it looks like they've been done by coloured pencils. However, says Dave, my wife is really excited about having a painting of our children in pride of place above our fireplace. Ah, suffer! So, <laughs> Helen, answer me this. Should I just put up with the portraits? Or should I make a stand and risk sleeping in the spare room for a week, as well as offending my wife's godmother and all her family? Oh, that is really hard. I think when he sums it up like that, I think he does kind of have to just go with it, doesn't he? I, I disagree. I, I think there's a very obvious middle path here. Oh, good. Um, which is that you, you say that you're going along with it. Mm. Then when they've done it, and it's been on the fireplace for a bit... Demolish your house. You've <laughs> you say quietly to your wife saying it's a bit naff isn't it i know you're excited to do it i'm glad we've done it mm. but actually do you mind if we move this to the spare room and then only when your godmother comes around for tea do we put it back i think in fact put it in the spare room to start with i think it's much harder to move it once it's up and in fact you might start to get used to it and then occasionally you'll, your eyes will drift up and you'll just be hit with the fresh horror that it is <laughs> but the godmother will want to come around and expect it to see in pride of place no we'll just say well we thought the light was hitting it badly there so we put it in the spare room because it's much brighter yeah that's good yeah the walls are much the walls complement it a lot more <laughs> redecorate the spare room if you have to to look like an art gallery it's such a difficult conversation isn't there because the problem isn't that necessarily this painter isn't good it's just the idea of having those paintings in his front room he thinks is, it's, not, it, it's not the way that he wants his, his house to look and yeah. it's difficult to say that to somebody yeah. it's like well that, that's not the way I want my house to be arranged. I don't want to have a, a big painting of my kids right in front of me. But, but also, I think I tend to agree with him about the average amateur portrait of children. And in fact, uh, my brother asked me to paint the kids once when they were little, and I said no. And it's really because I prefer painting people who have a visible bone structure rather than the uh, blooming cheeks of youth. 
Uh, but also I just thought, uh, they'll, I think they'll be better looking when they're older. But that's <laughs> a rare level of self-awareness in an amateur painter, isn't it? Yeah, I guess I so. I mean, most amateur painters, I guess by definition, are t- delighted to have a commission, aren't they? Mm. But obviously people like, people like like what this painter has done, or at least they like the fact that they've got a painting of their child. So I, I wouldn't pin, well, the, pin the blame on her necessarily. Yeah, also people love the fact that other people are throwing attention at their children in this way. Well, people like crafts, well, it's a bit, it is a bit, little bit more special than just having a holiday snap of, you know, toothless grinning children but this taste issue uh, is I think generational as well and there's not much you can do about that either I think this frequently happens with people's wedding gifts doesn't it you know you get something from your great aunt in fact this happened with my parents with my mum's great aunt uh, Trudy she's no longer with us so I can talk about this openly Um, even though she certainly wasn't a podcast listener when she was around (laughs) Um, Trudy she she infamously bought them water biscuits for their actual wedding gift that is cheap Um, yes so she was known forever after that as um, Trudy Puffs um, in the family (laughs) but anyway that's quite a sweet name for such a dry (laughs) stingy act (laughs) but anyway Trudy Puffs bought them um, for I guess their anniversary 10th anniversary or something a carriage clock and it was Mm -hmm. a really gaudy Mm -hmm. chintzy Mm. sort of old John Lewis type carriage clock we got one of those as well as a wedding present it has cherubs on it well right so what do you do because it's not that it's it's not that it's I mean it is that it's hideous yes but it's also that other people would think it's nice but you don't because you're not you're not possibly of a generation that could it's not your fault you're just like you haven't brought up ever thinking that was tasteful things have changed taste isn't isn't a question of fault it's just personal exactly Also, also something like a clock has to be on display because it's a clock you have to look at it whereas if she got you a saucepan that was ugly at least you can put that in a cupboard most of the time well so what they did do is they did put it in a cupboard most of the time the the saving grace was it was a carriage clock so you can carry that in and out of a room Mm. so when grandfather clock though disastrous (laughs) so when Trudy Puffs came round for Mm. dinner which was only I think twice in my life the carriage clock came out for Trudy Puffs and when she died was it buried with her (laughs) metaphorically yes (laughs) your parents smashed it up and then set fire to it I I think it's in the cupboard in the utility room with the fondue set at the moment they can get rid of it now Trudy Puffs isn't going to know as soon as uh, I first encountered this question from Dave one image came into my mind and Ollie immediately knew what it was <laughs> uh, it was the uh, portrait of uh, Malcolm Libby and Billy Kennedy mm. that hangs over well I don't know if it still hangs over the mantelpiece in Carl and Susan Kennedy's house in Neighbours because, because I haven't watched Neighbours for a, a while none of us have watched it since it's been on Channel 5 really but Helen Daniels portraits were always terrible mm. and no one would ever fess up to this they were like wow Helen no please do do me do me well, you say no one would ever fess up that wasn't a storyline that no one would ever fess up to it it's just the reality is the props department of Neighbours couldn't do a better job than they did so yeah. it was supposed to look good but, and it wasn't scripted that it was bad oh there was a storyline where Mrs Mangle got really upset about the painting of Helen Dunover do you remember that but Billy Malcolm and Libby they're against a grey background all staring forward in a really creepy way yes, yeah they are yeah and also it's capturing them in the difficult teenagers well yes although actually what you've done there is you've highlighted a function for these portraits in a way because the Kennedy family house I think quite sweetly demonstrates how okay we don't know if uh, 20 years later it is still on the wall because we don't watch the show anymore but it was uh, it was for I'd say 10 or 15 years exactly in some cases I know Libby hung around for ages like a bad smell on neighbours <sighs> she couldn't get another job um, but in some cases after those two actors Malcolm and Billy had left the show and gone to join house and done other things uh, and actually as a viewer of the show it made it feel like a convincing family home didn't it yeah because it sent off the signal of oh kids lived here and they grew up here and actually for visitors coming to your house Dave that's quite a nice thing as well it- it's just you that has to live with it. Yeah, but it's a bit different, isn't it? Because Dave is a real person, whereas <laughs> Carl and Susan live in neighbours, where right, as soon yeah. as one, one person's child moves to the city, they are never heard of again, even though they're only about a 10-minute ride away. I don't know if you've ever held 
helped your mum build a website It is the kind of torment from which there is no respite If she asks, what's a widget again? I will kill her with a rusty spike Or a brick or a spade or a chainsaw But Squarespace is so easy, even your mum can use it She can drag and drop and cut and paste, that's all there is to it So Helen, put that spike down, I beg you, for Christ's sake, don't do it! Sorry, mum Big thanks to Squarespace for supporting this episode of Answer Me This. And also for supporting uh, the beautification of websites. Yeah, that's right. Through it's, a, their uh, yeah, it's a noble task, isn't it? I think so, because yeah. there are still a lot of hideous websites in this world. Out there. E- even in this day and age. Yeah. They're not functional, they're not well designed. But there's no excuse because on Squarespace you can have a two week free trial doing good design. That's right, yes. <sighs> really nice templates to choose from and support as well when you balls it all up. Uh, they have... <laughs> Which won't happen because it's easy, well, yeah, but, just right. in case, but just in case, if you like the idea of a safety net. So give it a whirl, and then if you like it and you want to keep the site that you have built with your free trial, then enter the code ANSWER10 to get a discount. Hey, this is Al and Claire in Barcelona. Claire just reminded me about a woman who left all of her money to her dog. So Helen and Ollie, answer me this. What happens to money that people leave to ridiculous things after they die? Like when that dog died, where did the money go? What happened? Yeah, you can't actually leave money directly to a pet. You can't? No. So how does it work then if someone says, I'm leaving £3 million to my cat? Well, they, they don't say that. If they've done it in a will, what they say is, I'm leaving £3 million for the upkeep of my cat, and the nominated caregiver is my mother or whatever, yeah. and then the money goes to the mother to as a, a trustee for the cat. That's how it works. Okay. Because the law defines uh, a pet as a piece of property, um, and mm. one piece of property cannot legally own another piece. Um, okay. So you can't give your property of your dog the property of your house. It doesn't work like that. So you have to give them to someone, uh, and, of course, the obvious flaw in all of this is you need to make sure you really do trust the person that you're giving it to I mean they'd have to be morally repugnant but they could of course kill the animal and then have the money for themselves because well, it's we, not obvious what happens to the money after that. Or you could just say well in order for, for Flopsy to have a nice place to live I mm. need to buy them a three million pound house mm. but the, I'll live in and look after them. But the problem is I'd imagine a lot of the people who would mythically leave their, all of their money to a cat are not going to like any person enough to make them uh, to trust them with the uh, care of that beloved cat. It's essentially ballot spoiling, isn't it? It's like, I don't want any of my greedy relatives yes. to get hold of this. There was one in America where a millionaireess left half of her money to her best friend and the other half to her pet dog, Roxy. Um, and um, her daughter then said, well, Roxy's a, an item of property that you can't leave money to. Yeah. Took took the letter to court and won half the estate um, mm. because the judge ruled because in the in the law, you can't do that unless you nominate a caregiver. Mm-hmm. So the, the one thing she didn't want to happen, which was her greedy daughter taking her money, is exactly the thing that ended up happening. Uh-huh. Uh, all right, well, here's a question from Daniel from Anaheim in California, home of the happiest place on earth. The uh, Camelot mini golf course. That's right, yeah. That was really good. Yeah. Uh, uh, I did enjoy that. I was wondering if there was an age limit to shows at the Colosseum during Roman times. Wow. Uh, I'd assume they wouldn't let children witness a man being fed to a tiger, but then again, they would feed people to tigers. Well, also, you're ascribing a modern value system to yes. ancient Romans. Actually, a lot of people would have placed a kind of philosophical importance on certain children seeing the gladiatorial shows. Yeah, sort of learning about battle and death, I guess. Yeah, because they're, very, they're a very battle-fixated nation yeah. at the time. And in some ways, the gladiatorial events were considered a kind of religious event and, um, and therefore morally appropriate for young children to be educated in. Mm. But... 
it was really boys that got to go because even adult women weren't really allowed to go and those that were had to sit in the worst seats and not with the men. They would um, make married men sit separately from bachelors and then boys were in a separate block and then their teachers were in the adjacent block and then very far away, the women were on the top tier in the nosebleed. <laughs> but it was considered a valuable lesson for children to learn, you know, what, what was it like for soldiers to be defeated? They were showing some kind of historical battles. Sometimes they'd recreate those. They were showing moral lessons, i.e. putting to death people they didn't agree with. Mm. But I'm sure there were parents who said, no, son, when you're seven, you can come, but not now. Like, they must have still known that it would be traumatic for very young kids to see. Well, I don't know whether the concept of trauma would have been relevant. Yeah, but you'd know, wouldn't you, that you, having been a child yourself, you'd know that probably this is going to be a bit strong. I don't know. I think you might have just thought well, they don't deserve it yet. Yeah. Because it wasn't such a child fixated thing. They would have been like, well, the child can't come and spend time with me doing adult things until it's less of a little brat. Yeah, yeah. From Illinois. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. My family and I were going on a nice camping trip last weekend over in the adjacent state of Indiana. And at this beautiful state park was a nice covered bridge from the 19th century. Uh, This is something that I've always kind of taken for granted, that there are these covered bridges in central Indiana. But it just occurred to me, what's the point of a covered bridge? Well, our friend from Illinois, uh, whose name got cut off uh, before Skype kicked in. Yeah, you might not know the point of covered bridges, but uh, we all learned the point of good telecommunications, didn't we? I'm just going to call you Illinois, (laughs) and you're going to have to deal with it. Uh, You say this bridge is from the 19th century. If it had not been a covered bridge, it would have fallen down long ago. Why? Because the bridges uh, are usually made of wood, the covered bridges. And if you just left them open to the elements, the the wood would warp and start to fall apart. You might get frost cracking, whereas Uh. it is a bit sheltered it's more stabilized by the existence of the top of course that's so obvious when you put it like that i was thinking it might be something to do with cattle falling off it well some do theorize that the the sight of running water freaks out a lot of cattle and horses yeah and, and so if the predominant better. transport wasn't cars but was that yeah. but actually horses have you know for forever been used for fording things up rivers so they've mm. probably learned to deal with that or you could put blinkers on them because mm. we've just bought a chair and table set Uh, um, (laughs) to sit on the covered bridge with why is this relevant Ollie the reason I'm mentioning this is even though we got this from a reputable homeware store Mm. the woman in the store the manageress Mm. do you say manageress seems wrong to make a point of her being female just wanted to say manager manager, yeah Yeah, say manager yeah the manager who happened to be female yeah, but yeah, that but is just incidental detail it's that's not right. man and a woman could do the job just as well as each that's other that's right yeah. let's not get into this now listeners indeed uh, that person yes said to us you know yes this is a good deal isn't it yes we can deliver it to you right. she, she didn't mention the fact that they'd uh, accidentally divert it through their warehouse and then not send the uh, screws but that's another story no screws no screws well you didn't specify that you wanted screws to keep the furniture <laughs> together did you uh, but anyway she said yes we can organize to send this to you mm. but mm. go out and buy some linseed oil Go and buy some linseed oil because this won't last more than three months in the weather in the UK. Oh. I thought, wow, in 2013, a company like that is selling a table that doesn't really work. Like, you know, well, you'd have to put it in a garage all winter. And it's because wood rots. They still haven't found a way to stop wood rotting. Well, you have, have to treat it. Anointing it with linseed oil Yeah, yeah, but you regularly. have to treat it yourself regularly. Exactly, regularly. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, isn't it amazing? 150 years later, actually a covered bridge would still kind of make sense if you're building it out of wood. Yeah. It's just that we've got other materials. But the woodwork industry, still struggling with that. 
Well, Ollie, it's because wood itself hasn't really updated in <laughs> millennia. Millions of years, I yeah. would say. That's true. So it hasn't really thought, maybe I should be a bit more like Perspex. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think okay. someone needs to bring wood kicking and screaming from the Cretaceous period. <laughs> yeah. Okay, no, you, you made me feel stupid now, but I, I suppose what I'm saying is... <laughs> yes! It um, I just, I think that, uh, you know, there could be some sort of pre-treatment involved that made it a little bit more robust that wouldn't mean you'd have to take your new product home and apply linseed oil Well, to it. actually, I'm sure that there are certain types of wood that you could buy that are so tough and hard that you would not need to treat them nearly as much but cheapskate Ollie Man wouldn't yeah. buy that kind of wood probably not being manufactured for 200 quid in cargo indeed is it? yeah mm. okay alright well well, I've learned some pretty harsh lessons today yeah when you <laughs> sit on that chair you just be grateful that it's there under you <laughs> hello I'm Morrissey oh, oh I haven't got a stitch to wear I'm always nude so I called Helen and Ollie on 02081235877, but then a strange fear gripped me and I just couldn't ask. Well, here is a question from Lucy in Manchester who says, Answer me this, Ollie, when making hot chocolate. If I only have big marshmallows, should I just put one big one in my chocolate or cut it up into chunks? <laughs> uh, chunks. Really? Yes, because. Hmm. Um, How big are we talking? Well, like, is, big as our head? Yes, well, that, that's the issue, I big agree. Big as the world. If they're medium-sized marshmallows, like, say, thumbnail-sized, then you could still put them in. I'm, I'm assuming she means the standard ones where they're about an inch in diameter. Yeah, well, I think with, in that case, I think it's quite hard to get your mouth around that whole thing to ingest it whilst it's floating in hot liquid. Yes, but it, it's going to burn your mouth. If your hot chocolate is hot enough, that marshmallow will melt as adequately as a little one. It's just if your hot chocolate is lukewarm, then it doesn't really. it's not really going to squidge down. But isn't the joy that you get a little bump of marshmallow in your mouth with the liquid i've always seen marshmallows as a melting textural issue and you're suggesting you want them unmelted and whole no i'm saying they melt a bit i agree with you there but yes i think you still want them to be recognizably softer on your on the on the palate of your mouth solution lucy two marshmallows one whole one chopped up then you have the immediacy of the small squidged marshmallow and a big one that is waiting for you halfway down the cup very good are there any other hot drinks that have marshmallows in them like would you ever put one in a coffee (laughs) <laughs> in a cream of broccoli and Stilton Sea. Yeah, <laughs> like a squidgy crouton. I'm sure that there are Americans that put marshmallows in coffees. Well, have you been having your pumpkin spice lattes? Never. I mean, I don't drink coffee and I don't really think of pumpkin as a particularly pleasant flavour in isolation. Can you even get them in the UK? Uh, probably. It's, I only know about them from US blogs, but pumpkin. it's just, they pumpkin go nuts spice. for it, don't they? Americans are children, aren't they? <laughs> pumpkin What's spice that? American it. children are, yes. Yeah, but the the whole thing, like, they really fetishise this thing, don't they? What is the flavouring? Because I, in my imagination, it is just a combination of nutmeg, yep. cinnamon yep. and sugar. That's exactly what it is. That's all? No, no, there's one other. There's nutmeg, cinnamon and one other Gourd. <laughs> I can't remember what it is. I don't know. Here's a question from Theo from Manchester who says, I eat wax crayons. Hmm. You instantly want to know more. Uh, I tried it once for a dare as a teenager, but they were so good. I've done a couple a week ever since, and I'm now 40. That is a wow. lot of colours you will have shattered. You, <laughs> you must have intestines all the colours of the rainbow. How enchanting. Uh, I eat them in secret, says Theo, because I know my mates would think I'm nuts. You don't say. Uh, but I just love the texture, and crayon day <laughs> is the highlight of my week. 
Yeah, I bet it is. That's amazing. How do you go and buy crayons every week for your own consumption without causing suspicion, especially if you don't have any children oh, yourself? He may have had children just to cover up his crayon addiction. <laughs> Secondly, he could pretend that he's uh, buying them all to donate to preschools. Recently, continues Theo, my wife, also called Helen, burst in on me in the bathroom, thinking she was about to catch me up to no good. What? I think he Having means tugging, tugging one out is what Bru- I think he brushing means. Brushing his teeth. Leave him to it then, Helen. In, instead, she caught me sat on the loo reading Moby Zick with a succulent red Crayola between my teeth. I think Whoa. red is the wrong colour to be eating when you're reading something like Moby Dick. That's more of a kind of bluey, grey, slaty Surely colour. Surely a great white Crayola would be the way forward. Good Boom. idea. I suppose it depends whether you're using the crayon to mark the book as well as mm. eat it. Mm. What, like um, the second Heather in Heather's? Eskimo with red crayon underneath. <laughs> if crayon day is so precious, Theo, why not just spend the time alone with the crayons? Why take them into the bathroom? That no, seems that's like you're, you know, because we've, it, we've it's talk- a shame to yeah. lock yourself away. We've talked before that eating on the toilet seems wrong. Yeah, maybe you should have a special crayon day armchair in a shed. <laughs> that you've decorated in uh, those Pinterest pictures of molten wax crayons. Uh, Anyway, Theo continues. As well as some minor concerns as to my mental state, my Mm -hmm. wife also thinks eating a packet of crayons a month is bad for my health. Just a packet a month doesn't seem so bad. Crayons claim to be non-toxic, and I only chomp on respectable brands. Really, taste the difference, crayons. (laughs) None of that own brand filth Uh for Theo. No. So, Helen, answer me this. Are crayons really bad for you, or is my wife just nuts? I don't think you're really in the position to be calling anyone else nuts. Crayons aren't really made of anything that's too bad for you. They're made of pigment and paraffin wax. And neither of those things seem to be particularly bad for you, but the ones that are wrapped in paper with glue on it, the paper and the glue may cause you a little bit of blockage. Sounds really delicious. Unwrap them before you eat them, like a banana. Isn't paraffin traditionally used to cure constipation? Well, maybe that's why he was on the toilet reading whilst he was eating it. Good point. How widespread is it, do you think? I think a lot of crayonators out there, yeah. I reckon every child must have tried a nibble at least, right? Well, children put everything in their mouths, don't they? Absolutely everything. Yeah. Um, I remember being taken to a hospital because I ate a allegedly poisonous berry in my parents' garden when I was about four. Maybe that's what knocked out your sense of direction. (laughs) And... um, uh, uh, it tasted fine, and I was yeah. fine. Next thing I know, I'm talking to a doctor about my stools. And I just remember thinking, this is a weird conversation. Why is he being so interested? He was like, Oliver, you're going to drink this, you're going to go to the toilet, you're going to do a big poo, and you can tell me what colour it is. And I was like, it's fine. I mean, why are you so interested? I'd have thought for a child that talking about your poo is not really remarkable. <laughs> just the fact you get an extra audience must have been a real dream for you. I suppose telling a stranger about it was weird. I just remember that was very strange with doctors. You got into a slightly older age and they'd talk about your poo. Yeah. How's your poo? And you're going... I don't call it poo anymore. I haven't done that for about five years. What did you start calling it after you stopped calling it poo? I don't Captain know. Sophisticate. My suppose... fecal matter. Ooh, la dee da. Yeah. What age was it when you made the, the oh, transition know, into like... non-poo talk? I don't know. Uh, it's the same sort of age, that. isn't it, when you stop thinking it's a big deal to have ice cream? <gasps> yeah. When an adult comes up to you and goes, we're going to have some ice cream. You're like, okay, fine. Ice no, cream's nice. No, what are you talking about? <laughs> I've never passed that puberty. <clears throat> no, I haven't got to that age yet. And with that, listeners, we reach the end of another episode of Answer Me This. <sighs> it's been quite a ride. It has. I feel spent. But to get ready for next week's ride, to prepare yourself for that. To get rid of the saddle sores. Um, <laughs> send us a question so that we can feature it on that ride. The analogy's running out I now. think you're making it more complicated than it needs right, to be. I think that's right, yeah. All the details of how you can send us a question are on our website 
AnswerMeThisPodcast.com Where you can also find our Twitter and our Facebook and our first 120 episodes. What happened? Between 2007 and 2009. Now that is a ride. That's oh. a hell of a roller coaster. After all of that, delightful entertainment listeners, please do return next week. Bye! Bye.